TMG Podcast on three, two. Good afternoon, everybody. Tony Bond here for the guys at TMG College Sports, and we are here for yet another award-winning podcast after this, the one, two, three, four, five, six Saturday of the college football season, which I just simply cannot believe. But it, we are here to talk about the week that was. And we're also here to talk about the next week coming up. We've got some big games coming up. So, but first, I want to start. Uh, let's call the roll. Make sure everybody's here today. Uh, Mr. Mark Blauschen, are you with us? I am here, Tony. All right. I'm going to start a little different. I'm going to call the roll and ask everybody what their biggest takeaway was. But before I before I do that, let me make sure everybody's here. Mr. Herb Gould of Chicago, are you there? I am excited for the nearing Big Ten season. I know that you are. And Mr. Lucci, Mr. Tom Lucci uh, of the Jersey Shore area. Are you with I us am, today, I'm sir? Here. Yes, I'm here, Tony, and I'm uh, I'm excited to be in the presence of the member of the Georgia Hall of Fame. Congratulations. Well, well thank you, man. I appreciate that. That was a, a wonderful, wonderful honor that I, that I did not see coming. So we're, we're very excited. And, uh, induction is in, in next May, so we got a little while then. So, all right, guys, let's let's start out this way. Once again, it was the sixth Saturday of the college football season, but I want to go. First thing I want to do is go around the table with everything that was going on. I want your your number one takeaway. And Mark Blashen, we'll start with you. What was your number one take takeaway from the weekend? Uh, two things. When did the SEC become the Big 12 in, 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 in defense? And Florida, LSU, and and uh, Alabama, what happened to the defensive units of all of those schools? What Did they did they take the week off? I mean, that, that just stunned me. Uh, the lack of production. I mean, uh, Alabama won its game, but Florida and LSU both lost. I mean, that, those are the arguably the, the three marquee. I mean, in Georgia, the mar- that's the marquee of the SEC, and they just got spanked. I know that that that's the story that everybody seems to be talking about. Herb Gould, uh, you watched a lot of good football over the weekend. What was uh, what was your takeaway? Well, you know, I, I, I'm on board with Blau on, uh, you know, this SEC is just so much more of a jumble today than it was a week ago uh, because of the lack of defense. But I'll also say, you know, Clemson really showed up big time against Miami. And and given what happened in the SEC and what Clemson did to Miami, we have a real degree of separation that's larger between number one and the rest of the uh, football world. Yeah. Yeah. Clemson was very impressive. Uh, And this is a good point here to remind all of our uh, listeners to this podcast that Tom Lucci's uh, Monday morning quarterback, Monday morning recap, his recap of the weekend uh, can be found at si.com slash TMG, si.com slash TMG. And Mr. Lucci always puts the weekend in perspective. Tom, uh, I got some bullet points here that you wrote in that, but of, of the of the five or six bullet points you put in that that recap of the weekend, what, uh, what were a couple that really jumped out at you? Uh, well, I think the general theme following up on what Blau and Herb said is uh, the, the defense, but I, I would say more in general terms, Tony, um, as I kind of uh, indicated, my fear and my concern is that college football, especially, is becoming way too tilted towards offense. I mean, we have to, I think, tweak the rules a little bit so defenses have a better chance. Because what's becoming, in my personal viewpoint, is baseball. Launch angle, home runs. I mean, to me, initially, the novelty is great. 
that we see, uh, you know, teams in 48, 55 points every week. But after a while, it wears off. I want to see a little good defense. And I'm not talking, yep. as I wrote, 6-4 Penn State, Iowa. I'm not talking that. I just want to see a little defense. And my, my biggest concern is when Alabama's affected, it affects everybody. Yeah. Well, to, I, I, will, I, I think I've told you guys this story before, is that when they changed the rule, they, they made it one really, really big change in the rule, rules. And it was there have been several, but this is the biggest one of all. They changed the rule to where in, in the NFL, a lineman, an offensive lineman can go down the field one yard and not be penalized. But anything more than a yard – and they are penalized. So, in other words, it shows run, it's probably run. College football, they changed the rule. Offensive linemen in college football can go down the field for three and a half yards. And so what that does is that that allows them to run the run, the run pass option. And so you don't know if you're a linebacker and you're 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 supposed to be run support, and that lineman comes downfield three yards. You're thinking it's you're thinking it's run all the way, and then they dump the pass behind you. So Nick, Nick, when all this happened, when they changed the rules, remember that was when Nick Saban said, "Is this what we want football to be?" Because he had been in the NFL, and th- to me, th- that rule change has opened the door to do all kinds of things offensively. And I agree with Luch. I mean, th- the feedback I'm getting from the, the folks down here in the SEC, they, they, they want to win, but they think there's got to be offense and defense involved. And so I, I would ask you, Mark, I mean, what, is Lutz right? Do we need to change the rules and go back sort of towards the NFL rule? I don't know. We need to change the rules. We, we, we know, again, the word that uh, the commissioners used for it was tweak it. I don't know how, how we tweak it anymore. But yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't like the trend. Um, but I don't know what rules you, I guess that's a rule you could play in, but, but again, that's such, such a subtle rule. I, I guess it, may, it would make a difference, but, uh, I, I think it'll, it'll leave itself out again. I, I think it's just a matter of philosophies where just, where people figure things out that, you know, defensively, uh, eventually they'll, they'll figure out what the office is doing and it'll back, go back the other way. Maybe that's being, that's being an old fashioned, you know, funny, better way of thinking, look at things, but I'm, I'm hesitant of, of changing rules like that. Well, all I know, it was it's a good thing that Nick Saban was wearing a mask Saturday night because I'm sitting here. Yeah, Alabama has 70, 723 yards, which is more than than any team has had in a regular season game. Uh, Ole Miss had 647 yards of total offense against that Alabama defense, and Alabama defense. That we f- that we felt was going to be better this year and looked looked pretty <coughs> decent uh, early on. So so Luch, I, I disappointed you, czar of college football. What are we going to do about this? Well, I, I, you know, I, again, I think uh, one of the things that you mentioned is one of them. I, I think we have to be a little more liberal on the uh, DPI. I think we have to give corners a little bit better chance of coverage. It just seems like uh, some touch stuff is, is getting called. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I'd have to sit down and talk, talk to a panel of defensive guys, to be honest with you, Tony. I, I didn't have anything specific in mind, but I, I just need to see a little more balance. That's all. Um, yeah. it, it just seems like uh, – and, and maybe on offense, call a little more of those grabs. 
on the defensive lineman because I know you don't want to call a holding call every play, but every time I watch it, I see a defensive lineman being taken down to the ground, and it, it just doesn't matter. We have all these protections for the quarterback, which is great. I mean, uh, you know, they, they come anywhere near the quarterback's head. It's 15 yards. That's fine. But some there's there just seems to be too much liberalness in terms of allowing holding on offense and not enough on, on defensive pass interference. We have to, to let that go a little bit more. Well, Tom, you dealt with this in your Monday morning piece. And, and I'll ask you, Herb Gould, if, if there was ever a time if there was ever a time that Texas was going to beat OU in the Red River shootout, it was this year. And somehow, some way, Texas could not get it done. So, as Tom Lucci wrote, Herb, is Tom Herman no longer relevant? Is he, is he done at Texas? Well, you know, the bar is set pretty high there, and it wouldn't surprise me if they decided to go a different direction. Uh, you know, I don't know the financial workings of, of letting getting him out of there. I know they've given him a lot of money to come in. You know, I did, but this this just looks to me like a, that classic scenario that we see not only in football but in basketball where a guy does an exceptional job at, you know, uh, what we, you know a group of five in football or, or a, a mid-major in basketball. And then when they get to that elite program and now all of a sudden they can re- recruit the world – it becomes a different animal. You know, they, it just isn't, the chemistry is not there for Texas. And you could see that before Saturday. Uh, and that, that looked like a, that looked like a bad deal for me to, to, in my mind for Texas, because Oklahoma with its back to the wall after two losses was going to come out with all kinds of, of, of uh, determination. So, yeah, you know, at Texas has got a real high opinion of itself. I mean, we've seen this over time. I think, it's been mentioned, you know, USC is kind of in the midst of it now. There was a time when Alabama, you know, with Mike Shula, they had they had to, to grasp getting the right guy in place. And Texas is, is they're not going to sit, this is not going to sit well. So it wouldn't surprise me to see a change there. Well, again, if, if you don't get, if you didn't get Oklahoma with a freshman quarterback, a talented freshman quarterback, I, I got you. I mean, and Luke, I mean, Luke, you wrote about this this morning. I mean, is, would, would Texas pull the plug this early? Well, I, I, yeah, Texas would. The thing is, too, if you're not going to win with a, a senior quarterback that you've essentially developed, yeah. and he's a good player, he's a, he's a good leader. Really good player. You know, I mean, he can make things happen. It's just uh, they look like they're a mess. I mean, they, they don't look like the well-coached team, as I said a couple of times. I, I just don't get that sense from Texas. And, uh, yeah, I, I could see them pulling the plug. Lau and I have uh, discussed this. There's a guy sitting doing TV right now that you know Texas fans are clamoring. Oh, yeah. Urban Meyer. So, uh, yeah, I could see that if this is a year when <laughs> the Big 12 winds up being – Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State, one, two, three. Yes, I, I could see that happening. Wow, unbelievable. Well, well, guys, let me, I want to tell you a little story. Let's go back to September 26, the opening Saturday of the SEC season. Mississippi State and their new head coach, Mike Leach, he of the uh, <laughs> wide open 
offense, on and on and on. It'll never work in the SEC. They go to LSU, the defending national champions, and they light them up. They light them up. What's it, 600 total yards of offense and win 44 to 34. The next week, I get a couple of football guys on the phone. I understand. So expl- I said, explain to me how in the world you defend Mike Leach's offense. They said it's really simple. Go call Jimmy Lake, the defensive coordinator at Washington. He's got the key. And the key is, as these guys told me, was to rush three, drop eight, everybody plays zone, and you make the quarterback complete a million passes, short passes. They get a lot of yards and not a whole lot of points. Well, guess what? The next week, Mississippi State loses to Arkansas 21 to 14. And on Saturday, boys and girls, the Mississippi State offense had zero offensive points. Two points on the safety. That's it. So we're three weeks into the Mike Leach era at Mississippi State. Mark Blauschen, what happened? Uh, well, two things happened. First of all, we got pretty good coaches in the SEC, uh, especially defensive coaches. They, they figure things out. They look at tapes and they said, okay. Uh, they, they looked at Kane and they said, this is what it was doing. And they, and they did their homework. Uh, that's, that's one thing. Uh, and, and the other, the other thing is, is uh, the only thing I'm surprised at is that it took the SEC so quickly to, I mean, that, that it, it only took the SEC a couple of weeks to figure it out. It took the Pac-12 the entire season to figure it out, or many seasons, to figure out what Mike Leach was doing, so let's see. Let's see if he Leach adjusts. Uh, although, to tell you the truth, that the win over LSU doesn't look as impressive now uh, <laughs> as it did a week ago because uh, look what, what what Missouri did to the LSU defense. So uh, again, it, so you got to start looking at different under the covers, and you find a few more few more things that is obvious. Yeah, you know, I, I might add here that. If, if I were Bo, Bo Pelini's real estate agent, I would not advise him to buy anything fancy in Baton Rouge. Well, the uh, you know, defensive. There's a, reason, there's a reason, too, that a lot of those SEC defensive coordinators are the highest paid assistants in the country. So they're, they're, there's a lot of sharp guys in that league, even though we're seeing the, the, the offense is dominated, uh, you know, a lot more. But, you know, they, they got the book, I think, on Mike Leach now. Well, and here's the th- thing, and, and while we're on the subject, let's, let's this transition over into LSU. I mean, LSU loses to Mississippi State, and on Saturday, their defense just gets torched by Missouri. By Missouri, for crying out loud. And again, there are wide receivers. There are receivers that are running. There, there's no one within 10 or 15 yards of them. That, that, that's not talent. That's coaching, right, Luch? Oh, there's no question. And they got lit up by a freshman quarterback. You know, it's, uh, you know, one of the things uh, that, I, that I wrote about, too, and I, I was curious to get your take. I wanted to ask about this because of LSU losing. Are we seeing a little shift in the SEC in terms of the power structure? I mean, you still got Alabama and, 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 and Georgia at the top of the league right now, but and, and Venerable at the bottom, of course. Um, but in the middle, is there more competitiveness than we've seen in quite a while? Oh, I think, yeah, I think so. Listen, uh, uh, yeah, despite Tennessee getting dominated in the second half by Georgia, Tennessee is a good team that's getting better. Now, they're not ready. 
they're not ready to be there with Florida and Georgia just yet, but they're headed in the right direction. Kentucky may be the most underrated one and two team in the country. I mean, because they just absolutely – Kentucky had six interceptions against Mississippi State. But to answer your question, Luke, yeah, yeah. And A&M, Bonnie, A&M. Huge. Well, let's let's talk about that for a minute. Texas A&M, late field goal, beats the Gators, uh, first top five win for uh, Jimbo Fisher. I mean, all of these num- numbers have been thrown. You know, somebody he's making seven hundred thousand dollars a game, and he hasn't had a top five. And all these things that surround you, then then they find a way to put it together. The issue going into that game with Florida was that Florida was struggling on offense, a defense. They were struggling, and I, the question that I raised was: Was Texas A&M good enough to take advantage of Florida's weakness? Mark Blashen. It turns out that they were. Yeah, and, and maybe maybe this is truly a breakthrough moment for for A and M and, and and Jimbo Fisher. Maybe now, like you said, other than Alabama, maybe A and M can can move into the LSU slot and be a and be the the, the contender in the, in the West with 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 uh, with Alabama. Maybe they'll they'll supplant LSU and they'll supplant Auburn, which puts them right in the. And, and, and the Capitals are up behind Auburn, so maybe they can get to that, you know, to that one or two. Instead of having five losses, maybe they're down to one or two losses, and that's where they, where they need to be. And let's not forget, Arkansas is much improved, Tony. Yeah, yeah oh, absolutely. Yeah. They have been the past few years. Well, they went, you know, the, first of all, the, they played Georgia a very tough first half. All right? Then Georgia's talent and defense overwhelmed them in the second half. Then they beat Mississippi State, 21-24. Saturday, they're at Auburn, and they're, they got a lead at the end of the game. And then, shall we say, uh, there was a controversial finish to the end of that game. Tom Lucci, you wrote about the controversial finish for folks who do, for folks who didn't see it. There was the bottom line: Auburn trails 28-27. They're driving uh, to try to kick the winning field goal. Their plan was to spike the ball and stop the clock with about 19 seconds left and kick it. Uh, Tom Lucci, that is not the way it turned out. No, and, and Bodnick's went under center, mishandled the snap, and I'll tell you. This is the third time this season I've seen this happen. So I was kind of tuned into the call. Uh, so he mishandles the snap. It's on the ground. He picks it up. And he attempts to spike it because they're setting up for the game-winning field goal. And he spikes it backwards. Well, first of all, you can't spike it there because it's uh, intentional intentional grounding, legal forward pass. So, you know, once you do that, you, you drop it the first time. You muff it the first time. But the key here, and the officials completely missed it, is that he spiked the ball backwards, which makes it a fumble. And I guess the SEC ruled that there was, because there was no clear-cut recovery in the immediate after, aftermath yeah. of football play, uh, they had to rule the play as it was, which was, uh, you know, uh, intentional grounding. And they kicked the game-winning field goal. But in reality, it looked to me like Arkansas had recovered. And even so, the ball had bounced back another 15 yards. So even if Auburn had possession back there, they would have had a much longer field goal try. Uh, I would expect that this week we'll see some suspensions from the SEC officiating office because that was a bad <clears> way to, for, for Arkansas to lose a football game. Well, of course, Auburn then uh, 
kicked the field goal, won the game uh, yes. 30 to 28. But guys, I talked to some of, some of my officiating friends last night, including some that are very close to this situation. Here's a couple of more nuggets, a couple of things that the SEC didn't say in their uh, explanation. Now, the way they explained the rule was the way, way the rule was enforced, okay? no. My officiating guys said, no question that it's a backwards pass and therefore a loose ball. But here's what happened. If you go back and look at it, number seven from Arkansas, as soon as the ball hits the ground, he dives on the ball to recover. So that's in the immediate right. era. However, the he muffed it. The ball squirted out. And so he had to get on his hands and knees and out and, and beat an Auburn guy to recover it. Here's the problem. When, when the Arkansas player muffed the recovery, the ball went towards the center judge and nicked the center judge on the leg. And at that point, the center judge waves the playoff as if it's an incompleted pass. That was also an error. So two errors were made, is, is what I was told. First of all, the whistle should have never blown on the spike because it's a backward pass and a loose ball. That's number one. Number two, when the ball was out there loose and the Arkansas player didn't miss the recovery and it hit, the the center judge should have never waved his arms and said incomplete. All right. So what the what they eventually ruled was because the ball – because the Arkansas player had muffed the initial recovery and it had contact, they said it's gone beyond the phrase that Tom used about the immediate recovery within the football play. And that's that's what they ruled. So for my mind, the officials made two mistakes on that call. And it's a shame because Arkansas probably would have won that game, you know. <laughs> No, or they would have won the game had they given possession to the football. It would have been, yeah, it would have been, it would have been uh, Arkansas's ball with 29 seconds to go in the game. One other side note that I found out, guys, this is just a little those those wonderful what if things. When all when everything was <laughs> sorted out and Auburn retained possession of the ball, the officials said, and I, I had forgotten this. In that situation, if you do an illegal illegal forward pass in that situation, there is an automatic 10-second runoff on the clock. Mm -hmm. So let's pretend for a second that Auburn was lining up to spike the ball with 15 seconds left, and all of that transpired. And when it happens, Auburn's got the ball, but there's only eight seconds left in the game. Well, they, they said, let's line up kick the field goal. The officials would have said, no, no. There's an automatic 10-second runoff for that penalty, and the game is over. That's right. My official guy told me that last night. So that was absolutely crazy. That was crazy. So, uh, well, go ahead. You know, I was just going to say. I mean, the one the one biggest takeaway as we started out to your point is that we. I, I look at the SEC, and this is as close, you know, at the top as it's been in a while. I mean, I look around and I say, can, there are a lot of teams that could, that are capable of beating an Alabama and a Georgia on their schedule. And you look around and you just can see where this could be a real jumble. I mean, in past years, and even a week ago, we might've said Alabama, Georgia, Florida. Well, now, you know, they still are, are at the top, but there's, there's just so many upset possibilities that is, 
is going to be a very wild ride in this strange season. Mr. Blauschen, let me ask you this. Did you get a chance to watch any of the Texas A&M Florida game at historic Kyle Field? I did. I, I watched, went back and forth, but I, I saw a pretty good chunk of it. Well, let me ask you this question. Uh, allegedly, Kyle Field with seats well over 100,000 uh, was supposed to be 25% full. In your estimation, uh, with the keen uh, powers of observation that you have, uh, is it your opinion that that was there were more people at Kyle Field than maybe well, advertised? I, I understand my math was never my good subject in, in school, Tony. I understand that. And and I understand the basics. Uh, 102,000 is confidence capacity, which 20% or 25% is, is around 25,000, which is, you know, okay, that's fine. So and I've been to that field. That's, that's a big ass stadium. So I look at it. Uh, I, unless they, they did a social spreading a, a great deal, because that place looked full of me. And I'm not going half full. I'm comp- I thought it was a sell-on crowd myself. Uh, and it certainly sounded that way. So, uh, that, yes, I, I did notice that game. Well, among those who were concerned about this particular issue, uh, when the game was over, was the head football coach at the University of Florida, Dan Mullen. And uh, Dan Mullen said, well, I hope we can uh, fill our place up. The governor of the of the great state of Florida announced just last week that he was going to waive the limits on what sports teams and colleges could do in terms of attendance. And so as, as soon as the game is over, Dan Mullen is, lo- is uh, lobbying uh, the media to fill up uh, the swamp on Saturday when LSU comes to town. Uh, Mr. Lucci, you have seen this kind of stuff happen before. It's, uh, is it your considered opinion that uh, Coach Mullen is probably not going to get his wish? Well, he, if he does, it doesn't. Unless he's going to use the 80,000 people, you know, at, at Florida Field on defense, uh, you know, he's just, it sounds like he's just whining after a loss. I mean, that, that should be separate issues. I don't, I don't know why he would say that in the immediate aftermath of a loss when his defense was just awful, you know, because he could not stop telling money. I mean, they're going up and down the field. How about focusing on what's important, which is, and you, you touched on this earlier, for three straight games now, Florida's had issues on defense. I mean, they're wasting a very good offense here, uh, one that could have been a, you know, uh, SEC East winning offense because their defense is so bad. I, I can't be concerned about the fans, you know, when you have other bigger, other, other issues that are much bigger and, and much more important and need to be addressed. But it sounds like, you know, in the state of Florida, they're going to let everybody in. And uh, if that's the case, so be it. I, you know, I, I don't think it affects Miami much, you know, because they don't get yeah. that many fans. And, and Florida State's been losing, so I don't know if they'll get sellouts. So I don't imagine Florida would be the most impacted by that. Maybe UCF. Well, uh, I, you know, so we'll see what the impact that has down the road. Again, we wait two weeks and we see. All right. Well, we will. I would suggest to Coach Mullen that he would be more concerned about a defense that gave up. Uh, allowed Texas A&M to convert 12 of 15 third down situations. I think that was much more uh, impactful than the number of people there. I can tell you, now I could be wrong about this guys, but I'm telling you, I, you guys know I've been talking to the SEC people all summer, all fall, and after all the work that that conference office has put into this, and after all the work that uh, the people at Florida and their uh, administration has put into doing this, uh, I don't think the head football coaches don't have anything to do with how many people 
uh, are allowed in the stands. So, but Tony, I'm, I'm shocked that 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 A and M violated the rules of 25. percent I'm just shocked that an SEC school would do that. You're shocked that there's gambling going on here. Right. I'm yeah. just stunned. Uh, absolutely. That's that is absolutely crazy. Well, let, let's let's move, let's move on to this. Let's uh, let's look ahead. You guys. Have seen Georgia play. You've seen Alabama play. You saw Alabama's defense just get torched uh, in the throwing game. Obviously, that's not what Georgia does. Okay, understand that. But as you sit there and look at Georgia going to Alabama on Saturday, uh, you know what? There is a possibility that Georgia and Alabama could play three times this year. They could. They're obviously going to play on Saturday. Uh, they could play in the SEC championship game if Georgia takes care of business in that division. And if they both come out of the SEC championship game with one loss, they both could get invited to the playoffs as they were in 2017. And so they can end up playing three times. Quick overview. Herb Gould, we'll start with you. Quick overview of Georgia at Alabama. Your thoughts. Well, you know, when after on Saturday night, I was sitting there thinking, if I were a voter, would I would I move Georgia ahead of Alabama just because Georgia showed you a defensive strength that that Alabama seemed to be glaringly missing? Uh, you know, I, I don't know when they get together, but I, I think that at this point, Georgia has shown more than than Alabama. I mean, that that that's my quick take on it. I mean, we we impart a lot of value to Nick Saban being on the sideline, but at some point it, it really looks to me like, I mean, I, I would almost have to think that Georgia has shown more than Alabama to now. Well, it's going to be really interesting to see how Georgia's deep and Georgia's, if they're not the best defense, they're, they're in the top two. Uh, it, it's just going to be a fascinating thing to watch. Uh, the figure you're going to see all this week, uh, Nick Saban is now with, with the win over Lane Kiffin this weekend. He is now 21 and 0 against his former assistants. He's got Kirby Smart this week. Kirby Smart was with, with Nick Saban for 11 years uh, as a as a coach, and uh, Saban will play Jeremy Pruitt uh, this week. But, you know, the games, the, the rest of the game this week are interesting. Man, what? What is what? Oh, I know what I want to ask you, Mark Lashley. What did you come away with in the ACC last week uh, as Clemson pretty much took care of Miami? What, what was your takeaway from that game? Uh, I've seen this Miami team before, and Clemson is Clemson. Those are the two first things. I think Miami is better, but they're a long, long, long way from contending for, for, for top five honors in the country, much less at the top of the ACC, I think. I mean, maybe I'm wrong about that. Uh, but I also, but I, I've noticed this every week. I think the ACC from below Clemson has gotten measurably better between, say, two, two and, and, and eight. I mean, there's some good teams in the ACC right now, including, I can't, I can't believe I'm saying this, is Boston College. Boston College is a pretty good, solid team. They're, they're going to they're gonna win some games this year, which, I mean, I, I would not have given that, uh, even with the fact that Jeff Halfley is taking over as coach there, which is much better than the guy they had before. But I, I think I think you have Carolina is very good. I, I, I think BC is good. I, I think uh, you know uh, uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech. You know, despite despite what happened to it, is, is might be good. If they ever get a full team back, will be good. So 
So I think, and then you, plus you have Notre Dame in the mix. So I think the ACC is going to have a pretty good run this year as long as they can still play. Well, no, yeah, I, would, I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, there also you could throw in even some of the, the the lesser teams. I mean, Georgia Tech, I think, has played a lot better than, than a lot of us anticipated. And you know, I don't know if you mentioned Pitt, but they do some things yeah. well. Yeah, there there is a lot more going on in the ACC than we've seen in a while, and especially when you throw in Notre Dame. It, it, as you wrote, Plow, not long ago, it it's a, it's a very different feel to the ACC this year. Well, and having said uh, that, Clemson is still is still man. You, you're right, Herbie. Clemson might be way ahead of the entire field in the country. I mean, they they look they just look like they're ready just to let's let's bring January on. I mean, that's that's my feeling for them. They are just ready to go. Yeah, they are they are ready they are ready to go, and they're just incredibly talented. You know what's interesting? You watch Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. <laughs> Travis Etienne, their running back, was playing for anybody else. He would be in the Heisman discussion. But he just happens to be playing with his teammates. Probably is going to win the thing. So if he stays healthy, you know, North North. Mark, let me ask you about North Carolina. I thought I was, I was. In, I thought North Carolina would uh, might be in trouble against Virginia Tech, but they score fifty six and take they did business. Uh, yeah. I, again, though, I don't know how many Virginia Tech players didn't play. They they've been shorthanded because of COVID the yeah. entire season. So that's one thing. Uh, but 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 Carolina is they're they're a Offensively, there's no question they're a good team. I mean, they're 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 a, that that they are a very good team. Uh, defensively, uh, you, you have some concerns about that, but uh, they they can make plays, and I think they're going to. I mean, and the interesting thing is, I think they play Clemson and Notre Dame and, and Notre Dame in November. So I think November is going to be an interesting month in the ACC. Well, it is because because Clemson and Notre Dame play on the seventh. That's why Virginia Tech plays Miami on the fourteenth. Plays Pitt on the twenty first. Plays Clemson on December fifth. Wow, yep. <laughs> that is going to be something. Well, guys, look, I want to I want to wrap this up. It has been another another fun week. But let me ask. Uh, let's just go around the one room. Uh, well, I'll start with you, Tom Lucci. Parting shot as we get ready to enter week seven. Uh, Alabama wins because it's an offensive game, and uh, their offensive talent is as good as any in the country. And Mac Jones is just playing great. Uh, unfortunately, there are not a lot of other compelling games this weekend. So uh, that's the game you want to focus on. And, and like I say, it, it, as good as Georgia's defense is, uh, if you can't score like Alabama can score, it's hard to win these days. Herb Gould, we're getting we're getting close to Big Ten's. Uh, is gonna, the Big Ten's going to show up to the party. Won't be long now. Yeah. Yeah, they really are, and, and I think people are excited about it. The uh, schedule is out for the first weekend's uh, TV games. Uh, Illinois is at Wisconsin on Friday night. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a it, – it's just going to give a big lift to a lot of people in the area, uh, you know, and then we'll get into the angst of uh, Michigan and Ohio State, and then, you know, Penn State always lurking and – you know, the West could be wide open. It's just, I'm just glad to see that they're able to get back on the field a week from Saturday. It'll happen. All right, Mark Blauschen, closing closing out with you. What's the parting shot? Well, I, I think if I'm Georgia, I would be worried because I think the best thing that could happen to Alabama was the way its defense played, played on Saturday night. I think, I think Coach Saban is going to be on them all week. And someone's going to pay the price for that because the players are still there. So, and, and the Georgia offense has, has, has 
come to come alive in the second half. I don't know if they're going to have the opportunity to do that against Alabama Tuscaloosa on Saturday. I, I think I think this could be one of those shutdown games that what happened to the Georgia offense uh, might be the the, the 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 key question for next week. Where do they go? Because I I, I don't I, I I still think that Saban is going to fix what's broken. Right, indeed. All right, well, before we go, we want to thank our sponsor, APBA APTA, the unchallenged king of a realistic, high-quality sports simulation product. We thank John Herson and the folks over there for their support. And, of course, David at Revelation Studios for, for making this all come together. We can't do it without you. Men, it's been a blast. We look forward to next week. And for all of you listening out there, remember that everything that uh, the media guys write is on si.com slash TMG, si.com slash TMG. Check out what we're writing this week. And until then, this is Tony Barnhart, Mark Larson, Herb Gould, Tom Lucci saying carry on.